Welcome to the Specify Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Tas Nakagawa of Castagra Products. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and construction industry. Today's guest is Michael Rasika. He's a licensed architect and the founder of youngarchitect.com. So, Michael, thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to chat today. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you're working on a bunch of things that's evolved. Tell me about architects. It started as a passion project. So, my background is I'm an architect. I went to architecture school, got a very long, expensive, hard degree in architecture graduated. I was in architecture school so so long, I didn't even know what life was like outside architecture school. And so once I graduated, I got I actually got very depressed. I had thrived off of the structure of being in school for so long. And I went into the real world and I got a job and it just felt like I was just like pushing papers and it had really no relationship with what I went to school for many years for. And somewhere along the way, I was, I was actually, I went to counseling around this. My counselor and I kind of came up with this idea. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to get my architecture license as almost like I really wanted to go to grad school, but I didn't really need to. I had the right degree and I had so much student debt. So I said, I'm going to I'm going to kind of treat the architect exam, becoming an architect, a licensed architect as almost like my poor man's graduate school. And um, that sent me down a path of of trying to figure out how to get through this process wasting lots of time, getting kind of pushed back and forth, trying to figure out what did I need to do to become a licensed architect? And uh, when I started this process, I had so many unrealistic expectations as to what it took to to finally finish becoming an architect. And, you know, long, long, boring story short, it took me four and a half years to complete that process. Uh, I failed my exams four times. And by the time I was done, I was just exhausted with, with what I had gone through. And I was actually very disappointed with my experience in this process. Um, What I was frustrated with was that no one was genuinely helping anyone really navigate this this part of their lives. There were a lot of people pointing me in directions, giving me advice that uh, I later found out knew was bad advice, but they, they say that stuff anyways. So once I was done with my exams, I kind of had this moment where I said, I want to Um, now that this process is done, I want to help. I want to be one of the people that helps in a very genuine way. And so, uh, as soon as I was done my exams, I decided to start a blog. I had already written, um, I'd already written two successful blogs around about riding bicycles, ironically. So I said, you know what, I'm just going to take, I've already written blogs before. I'm going to start another blog. And I started youngarchitect.com. And I got online and I started ranting and raving and talking about how I studied, the books that I used. I wrote a lot about failing the exams. Uh, I started sharing a lot of my methodologies. And I, and I really just started trying to give value to people and prevent them from making a lot of the same silly mistakes that I did. And, um, you know, people start blogs every day. But from day one, Young Architect, it just took off like a rocket. And it never really stopped, even today. I mean, I was, I was actually working a blog post right before we jumped on this call. And so what ended up happening back then is I ended up, from the success of the blog, I said, you know what? This was like back in, I don't know, 2015, yeah, 2014, 2016. At that time, I was living in Portland, Oregon, working for the city of Portland, Oregon as a, as a project manager. The architecture firms, you know, the recession happened and, and I just kind of ran out of work. 
And so I ended up taking a job working on the owner's side of the project, which in a weird way, I found out was kind of my sweet spot. Like that's really where I started to shine was not being the architect, was being the owner. So I was ended up working and my blog took off and I ended up writing a book about, you know, from the success of the blog, I kind of transitioned it into a book. What happened after I put out this book about, I always joke, I call it an easy to read self-help book about the architect exam. It's a little outdated now, but I ended up putting out this book. And what happened was people started to contact me and they said, Mike, I read your book. It was really good. And I need more help. I need more help beyond just a book. And for a long time, they're like, I want to hire you. I need a coach, a guide, a leader, a mentor. And for a long time, I said, no, no, I don't want to work one-on-one with people because um, that's the problem with the architect exam is it's everyone's on an island and no one's talking to the other people on the other islands. And I said, uh, and as more and more people kept asking for the same thing, I said, all right, let's study for the architect exam the same way we went to architecture school and study in the design studio model of learning. What that means is, you know, I'll create the syllabus, the schedule, the milestones, the deadlines. I'll tell you guys what to go do. And then let's come back together and see what we can learn from each other. And so I created this program called the ARI Bootcamp, which helps people either get started with their exams or helps people finish their exams. And I started that back in September of 2015. Yeah, pretty much since then, I've been really focused on this program and it's grown and shifted and morphed over the years. And at this point, it's helped thousands of people really find success with either starting their exams or finishing their exams. From the success of the boot camp, so many other little side projects have kind of spurred, spurred off of you know what I was doing with that. It was um, I ended up starting to create my own study materials for people that are studying for the exams. I got multiple courses out there create a lot of study materials. I started a Facebook group for the ARES. We currently have, what is it, 16,000 people in our Facebook group. It's super engaged. It's the most active community. I ended up creating the Young Architect podcast. I created uh, the Young Architect conference. I created a whole architecture conference that's really focused on the next generation of architects. From there, I started traveling around the country, talking to people, doing lots of public speaking. What else is there? I feel like there's another piece of Young Architect I'm forgetting. But it all kind of started with the blog. It just got on, it started with creating content with me really just sharing my thoughts and putting it out there and people resonating with it and responding Mm -hmm. back. And it's kind of grown into this multifaceted business that's really evolved over time. Designing designing your own career. So you said you had a challenge when you were taking these tests and obviously you found a way to solve for that challenge. What was the key insight in their disconnect? You said everything is on islands, but yeah. sort of, yeah. can you give me some exact examples that could sort of people could relate to? Well, for my situation, it, it really came as no one genuinely breaking things down and explaining it in mm. proper English. And while all of the information was out there, I felt like I was almost like an investigator. I was like trying to get like, look for needles in a haystack, learning, trying to understand how do I study for this test? How do I even become eligible to study for this test? All the different steps. It was every single thing. I, it felt like I was reinventing the wheel every single time. And after I had finally completed all the puzzles and and gotten to the, to the end, looking back, at what my experience was, it was, there's got like, no one has, has properly explained this in plain English. And that's what I started to do was to just really 
help people understand what this process is, what it entails, and give them genuine advice and information about how to go right. through this. A lot of the content I put out that was that was massively successful, that information yeah. was already out there. But it was written in such a poor way, or it was really hard to find or decipher or make sense of. And so I just started to put all the pieces together and give value and, and yeah. point people in You're the right direction. You're taking this blog and it's, it's turned into a brand and it's it's spun off many uh, different ideas and areas if you could go back and you know and and look at it and give yourself advice for anything i mean obviously hindsight's 2020 but if you could give yourself advice how to streamline it more or or or, or, or do things differently what what would you say to yourself or others that are trying to pursue something like this i think probably the m- most important thing that i always kind of held near and dear to my heart with this type of project. And I, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but someone, it was like a, some lecture, some Ted talk or something. Someone said, move towards the things that get you excited. The stuff that, that you, you know, just thinking about it gets you genuinely excited. And when I first started, I wanted to just start a blog and I was like, let me just help people move things in the right direction. And, you know, at that time in my career, I didn't under, I, you know, people were like, you could become like this ARE guy and really become the guru that kind of points people in the right direction. And I was like, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's the direction I want to go in my career, but I always kind of just moved towards the stuff that got me excited, the creating the, doing the work that I really enjoyed doing, you know, creating the content, starting the boot camp, you know, inventing this new conference. And I think what I didn't understand back then that I, that I really understand now in a very big way is that I could have never sat down and written a business model, a business plan for where I am today at all. It wouldn't have made sense. The pieces wouldn't have fit together. You know, I, I coincidentally met this one guy who him and I had a great synergy together and we ended up creating all these new products together. That couldn't have happened if, and I think so the lesson I would say is just being open to opportunities. There's two lessons. It's to, it's to focus on the stuff that really gets you excited and that the stuff that keeps you up at night and you just want to work on and then understand, well, it doesn't make sense right now. You're, we're looking for the answers. We're looking, how do we put all these pieces together? It might not exist right now but it may exist in the future. And so understanding that one opportunity leads to many more opportunities, you know, and that's how my business has grown in such a, such a weird way. I mean, it, it was not it organically just kind of branched out into many different facets. Isn't that which, how most um, businesses work? It's just that when, when they people yeah. come time to write the book, they, they need to organize it in, in a meaningful way. Yeah. And that's my next project is to write a really good book kind of summarizing what I've gone through over yeah, the past 10 very years. Very cool. Now you alluded to something earlier that, you know, sort of drew my curiosity, which is you said there's a gap of people learning architecture and then the gap when they actually start doing architecture. Can you describe that gap and what were the elements you're referring to? Yeah, I would say a small number of people who graduate architecture school actually become, go on to become architects, licensed architects. There are many jobs that the architecture training does could do a great job of. And in my opinion, I think it's one of the best educations in learning how to solve problems by working on buildings. It's a fantastic education in that. When I was in school, a lot of everyone I went to school with was going to become a traditional licensed architect. And we were all on our path towards that. And by the time I was 
done and I had accomplished that goal, no one else became licensed architects. And that was part of what inspired me to do this project in the first place was no one was, there was very low numbers. And I wanted to, I wanted this to become more accessible to people. But I would say that was a big part of Young Architects' mission is to help the next generation of architects really become the most successful generation. There's a lot of people too who are working and practicing in the architecture industry, working in firms who don't, aren't licensed. I never believe in the one size fits all. I don't believe just because you went to architecture school, you have to get this architecture license and pursue this, you know, go after this very time consuming project and get this thing. We're all different people. You know, it was the very best thing that ever happened to me in my life. It created a lot of opportunities. Everything from the moment I got my architecture license, it's like my life was in two phases. Everything changed after that. Opportunities just un- opened up and it was like before I had it, after I had it. Um, but we're not all the same. And so Young Architect's goal is really to just help people figure that out and make sense, try to make sense of this, this industry yeah, that we're very in. Very cool. If you had a magic wand and you could fix uh, you know, a, a couple of these problems you see in the in the industry, where would you spend your time? Other than what you're doing with your business, where would you spend your time? Yeah, if I had a magic wand, I like that question. The the first thing I would fix, the biggest problem with the architects is that it's a profession that I I said it yesterday, it's a profession that hates itself. It eats its young. It has no, when one architect succeeds, another architect is pissed because they succeeded. And this has been, I think it's this, this attitude of how the profession has treated itself, I think starts in architecture school with the competition. Everything is a competition. I was, I was probably one of the most competitive people in architecture school, but the biggest problem, the the first thing I would fix my magic wand is that when I got my exams, it was every man and woman for themselves. And the attitude I wanted to change is that let's work together. Let's work together. We work together in architecture school. We work together in offices. This is a collaborative profession. Let's work together on these exams and really lift everyone up and help uh, everyone succeed. And what I would fix is that after people have completed this process, they stick around. That's the problem is people, they finish the goal and they just move on to the next thing and they don't help the people who are, are behind them. I would fix the profession's ability to advocate for itself better. The next thing I would fix is... You know, I always joke and say that, you know, everyone in the AEC industry is doing really good. They're doing really good. They're making lots of money, except for the architects. Architects are probably one of the lower paid people on a project when you start looking at hourly rates as to what they actually bring home. And so I think I would love to see the architecture industry be paid for the value that they bring for a project. I feel like the they bring a lot of value and there's not a lot of compensation for it compared to everyone else who works on the project. I wish I could fix that. With fixing what's current, but more towards the future, what sort of trends do you think is going to impact the architectural industry the most in the coming years? Well, I would say the biggest kind of the tsunami that's going to hit, and that's that's actually already started to hit, it's the the kind of the changing of the guard. It's the baby boomers retiring and and the the millennials moving into place and what that looks like. And I feel like I was at the forefront of that. And, you know, I was born, I'm one of the older millennials working with kind of seeing how the cultures kind of 
change, how the millennials move up and the baby boomers leave the profession. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that's going to change. Another thing that's happening right now in architecture is there is a huge uprising of people basically pushing back uh, with these large firms, you know, underpaid and overworked. And a lot of young people are standing up. You know, there's lots of talk of trying to unionize within these large firms, speaking out against unpaid internships and really advocating for a better, you know, work environment. It seems like, you know, this has been a problem for a very, very long time, but it seems like I look at social media and I look at what's going on in the news with the architecture community, and it just keeps coming up over and over and over again, repeatedly in different places and in different situations. And so I'm hoping that this trend kind of moves to what I talked about earlier with my magic wand, with architects being better compensated and appropriately treated in the workplace. Very cool. Now, your sort of mission, your business started as a hobby. It sounds to me, feels like a hobby. Do you have other hobbies besides uh, your projects? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I like to ride bikes. I'm a cyclist. What do you ride? I, when I was, I was, uh, I rode road bikes. When I was in architecture school, I was constantly cycling all over the place around New York City and Long Island. And then um, before I graduated, I got online and I, I somehow found a blog. It wasn't the word blog didn't even exist back then. I found a journal from someone who had ridden their bicycle mm. across America. And, and I obsessed over this for years, years. And then even before I graduated, I did a bike ride from Yorktown, Virginia, all the way out to the coast of Oregon. I was 25 years old at the time. I had never gotten outside my little New York City East Coast bubble. I'd never seen middle of America or the Pacific Ocean. And it just changed my life in a really profound way. I had very little support actually when I did this. I said, I'm doing this. And I and I obsessively researched it, but everyone thought I was nuts. But I did it anyway. And, I, and that's actually when I started blogging. I wrote a blog about it. And then I ended up doing it again a second time when I graduated school. And then in 2016, I had I was self-employed at that point. I said, you know what? I'm going to do a third ride across America. And so I've ridden bikes across America three times. But now, you know, I haven't done one of those. And I don't think I'll, I don't even think I'll do another one. Now I just kind of ride around town. I got a Peloton bike I ride, but I, I like riding bikes. I like working out. I just got a puppy in October. So that's been taking up a lot of time getting, hanging out with my new dog. I like traveling around America, talking to people. You said something you've done three. I'm assuming you were talking about your first ride profound change. What was the transformation? I spent a lot of time with a lot of people who had much less, less just stuff and things and less opportunity than I I did in in life. And I never really had that. I never really connected with people outside my little bubble. And in a weird way, it just kind of showed me another side of humanity that I'd never really seen before. And to be so genuinely embraced by so many people, I fell in love with just being on the bike for hours every single day with nothing to do, nothing. And my thoughts would just go run wild and I would just ride through the country and just kind of seeing thing. I, it, it's addictive. That's why I did it three times. It's totally addictive to kind of constantly be in movement across for such a long period of time. I became addicted to that. And I really love that, but that kind of fostered my need for traveling and getting outside my little bubble. I think the biggest takeaway and what really changed me more than anything was that 
it was really the one of the biggest things I at that time I had done in my life where everyone said, this is stupid. You're going to get killed. You're going to get murdered out there. We're not going to pick you up in Colorado. You got to figure out how you're getting back when this thing doesn't. I, I, no one believed in me. No one believed in me. But what they didn't see was that I actually had, I really did have my act together with planning this thing. And I did it anyway. And by the time it was over, I was like, I was so glad I didn't listen to what everyone told me to do. And I did it anyway. I think that was the big takeaways. I did it anyway. And it was a huge success. It was the best time I ever had in my life. And well, so the importance yeah. of pursuing your own vision. Yeah. And I think that trans translates into entrepreneurship as well. Wonderful. Now, is there anything I didn't uh, ask you that you wanted to cover? That kind of give you a kind of an all-encompassing view of everything. Perfect. Well, Michael, you have a very yeah. cool story. Loved hearing it. Appreciate we finally got the opportunity to get together. And I look forward to uh, following along. Yeah, you have a very interesting journey. Yeah. Tats, I want to say thanks for giving me the opportunity to share my story with your audience. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Specified Growth Podcast today. Make sure you check out youtube.com forward slash Tats Talks for video of today's podcast. Hit the subscribe button for upcoming episodes. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.